Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Today we're joined by Dr. Emma Power, a senior research fellow at the Western Sydney University. Emma is an urban cultural geographer who researches housing, home, aging and human-animal relations. Emma has a particular focus on the everyday practices of homemaking and neighbouring and the governance of everyday life within the home. Emma is currently working on her DECRA fellowship. The project, Aging, Home and Housing Security Among Single, Asset-Poor Older Women, investigates how housing policy and governance and ongoing housing mobility inform how single, asset-poor older women create and maintain a sense of home and security. Other research examines companion animals and community making and the governance of companion animals in urban Australia, including in strata apartments, through tenancy policy. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Emma Power. Welcome, Emma. Hi, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us, Emma. Now, as we can tell from your bio, your area of expertise, or perhaps one of your areas of expertise, is companion animals in communities, including in strata communities. So that's the topic for today's discussion. And I'll start, Emma, by asking you, why is the keeping of animals such a critical issue for people living in strata? Look, I think keeping pets is important in Australia generally, and that's a really good point um, to start with. So over 60% of Australian households actually include a companion animal and cats and dogs are the most popular of those. Um, And and it's really interesting if we look at the nature of those relationships. So if we go back to the 1950s, people thought of their their pets as simply pets. Dogs tended Mm. to be kept outside the home and they tended to be given a name like Fido or, you know, something like that that was very (laughs) dog specific. But if we fast forward to today, we find that um, dogs and cats are increasingly actually kept inside the home and they're increasingly being given names that we might give a human. So, for example, my dog, I've got a dog called Louie. I used to have a dog called Paddy. So these are names that we could (laughs) give to a person. And there's been some research by Adrian Franklin, a professor of sociology down in the University of Tasmania, that showed that in Australia, 88% of households actually consider their pets to be family members. So wow. these sorts of things show us just how significant pets are in Australia generally. And if we look in a strata context, the issue that we have is that many strata apartments actually have very restrictive laws around pet keeping or bylaws, I'm sorry, around pet mm-hmm. keeping, which make it very difficult for people to keep their pets in apartments. Um, it For people who own apartments, it makes it more difficult potentially to on-sell their apartment. It drastically reduces the potential audience for them, um, people that they can sell their apartment to. There's automatically 60% of households that are are potentially ineligible to actually purchase that apartment or rent into that apartment. Mm. And talking about those statistics, which I think are amazing, 60% of people having animals in their home, 
We also regularly in the sector talk about the percentage of people who are going to be living in strata in the future. And I, you hear different figures, but I think at the moment, something like in 20 years time, 50% of us are going to be living in strata in New South Wales. So when you combine those percentages, it really is a critical issue for how people who have animals that are, as you say, part of their family are going to fit into those communities. Absolutely. And there's a lot of research that shows that pets bring many benefits, both to the individuals who keep them and to the community more broadly. So for individuals, pet keeping is associated with better health outcomes. So people tend Mm. to be happier and healthier. If they have a heart attack, for example, they'll tend to recover quicker than someone who doesn't have a pet. Um, And part of this is because pets get us, or particularly dogs, get us outside walking, bringing those health benefits as they go. But pets can also bring benefits to communities as well. So my research in strata communities confirmed a lot of research that's been done in low-density suburbs in Australia basically showed that people who have pets meet other people through their pets. Yes. They tend to think that their community is a friendlier place. They tend to have stronger connections within their local community. And they tend to, um, I guess, take part in more sort of reciprocal activities. So they might um, help look after other people's pets. Um, they might be more likely to share sugar over the back fence, you know, if someone's got cooking issues. Yeah, sure. Just simply because every time you get out and about with a pet, um, you do bump into people and you do start to know others in your local neighbourhood. Yeah, I can definitely see that in my own neighbourhood. And we're not a neighbourhood of strata apartments, not at the moment anyway, but certainly the pets in the street, you see people bonding and getting to know each other over having those pets. Look, and a fascinating thing that, that people can't really explain at the moment is that people who have pets also tend to be more engaged um, civically, so they might take part in ah. um, more sort of community organising, community events, and no one's really sure why that is, but, hmm. but that's an interesting fact as well. Yeah, that is interesting. So, Emma, you mentioned briefly bylaws that govern the keeping of pets in strata buildings, and you've talked about the real benefits that having, I guess, a a flexible or welcoming pet policy can have on the residents in a strata community. So, what does a good pet policy look like for a strata building? There's a few dimensions to a good strata policy um, in relation to pet keeping. So, One of those, at a very basic level, is that it actually acknowledges the important role that pets play in people's lives. Um, They're not just animals that live alongside us. They're often, as I said, family members and also Mm. important sort of confidants for people, Mm. um, for children and for adults. And and as we start moving towards a society where there's going to be more people living alone, um, pets can play a really important role um, in in companionship um, within the home as well. So a good strata policy will recognise that and see them as core members of the family rather than just as these sort of objects that we happen to own. Um, A clear strata policy will also set out a clear approvals process so that it's very clear what people need to do if they wish to keep a pet and how you'd actually go about getting your pet approved. And it will also set out very clearly what the responsibilities are um, for both people and for their pets when they're living in a building. And that's because we need to make sure that if people are going to live with pets, that the animal gets along well with other people in the building as well. So just like you wouldn't want a neighbour putting rubbish out on the front step or playing their radio too or their television too loudly, and we've got um, strata bylaws that help us to deal with those types of issues, we also Mm. need to have ways of 
I guess, managing any issues that might arise and also um, making sure that people are aware of what the expectations are so that they know if their pet is doing the right thing. Mm. I find in my experience, those buildings that do have that clear approval process, as you recommend, have far less problems, I guess, when it comes to pets, because first of all, They don't have that blanket ban, which at the moment is possible and is legal to have in buildings. And we can talk about the model bylaws and the new law if you want to get into that. But they have that initially, yes, we you are allowed to keep a pet. So we're saying yes, we're not saying no, if you take the following steps. And these are these are the steps um, set out in our approval process. Make your application and your application should contain A, B and C. And there's certainly a, a standard procedure that I know that we adopt when we're drafting those kinds of bylaws. And I think that the process then runs quite smoothly and reasonably. That's right. And there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, at least, that when you have very restrictive laws such as blanket bans, that people actually keep pets anyway because of how important those animals are to them. And so I always say to people when we're talking about this issue that if you have a strata policy in relation to pets, one that allows pets and sets out those rights and responsibilities, that that actually provides you with a way of managing the issue more in a way that, that can benefit all parties rather than finding that you've actually got, um, you know, 20 animals living in your building, you don't know who they are, um, and there's no easy way of actually sort of um, setting out those requirements. Um, yeah. And another thing that's important as well, I think, is making sure that there's not the sorts of laws that are um, unnecessarily restrictive or that can potentially sort of create problems in your building. And a, and a good example of bylaws that restrict the size of animals Mm. Um, For a long time in um, New South Wales, one of the model bylaws has said that small dogs will be allowed. And I've um, done in my research, I've interviewed a lot of people who live in buildings where the model bylaws specify that dogs must be under 10 kilograms. Now, that's a very problematic rule because there are some breeds of small dog that are actually highly inappropriate for apartment living. They can be very high energy. They can be much more likely to make a noise. And if they're not living with someone who can meet those energy needs, they can actually cause um, problems in the building. Whereas there's some very large dogs um, that are very calm. Um, If they have a good run every day, um, they'll be very happy to sort of lie down and sleep for the other 23 hours. And so setting those sorts of laws can be highly problematic. And I think it's very important that buildings are aware of that and that they think not about the size of an animal, but about the appropriateness of that animal and Mm. how the owner or the person that's going to keep that animal can meet the specific needs that that animal has. Yeah, a really good point and something for buildings to incorporate into their approval process. So don't go asking questions, what size is the animal? How much does it does it weigh? Asking what type of dog, for example, is it? And are these dogs suited to strata apartments? And more importantly than that, perhaps, how is the person going to meet the needs of the mm. needs of that dog? So someone who's going to get a dog out and take them on a walk every day, that's that's something that's very important. That's something mm. that will help to make sure that that dog doesn't get bored and mm. that it's that it's a happy, good neighbour within the strata building. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so Emma, could you share a story with us? And this might be something that's arisen in your research about owners or particular buildings that are doing well in this area. Yeah, look, I visited quite a number of buildings where people were getting on um, really well with their pets. And I'm going to focus on dogs here because that's been the primary focus of my research. Mm. And look, the buildings where I think it was most successful were buildings where the public space, um, there was a community garden or something like that in the building where the pet, the animals, the dogs were allowed to be taken to have a walk and that type of thing. Um, and the reason that this worked really well was because it became a really important community meeting space. 
So many people said to me that before they had a dog, they didn't actually know anyone in their building at all. (laughs) People would sort of walk past each other and ignore each other in the halls, that type of thing. But once they had a dog, and particularly when they were using those sorts of communal garden spaces, many people would stop by and say hello. So it might just have been a simple hello as they went past, but they also often stopped and had a chat about the dog for a couple of minutes, you know, Mm. how's your dog going today? Oh, you know, very cute puppy, that type of thing. And people started to feel like their um, buildings were much friendlier places. Mm. So lots of instances of people who didn't own pets stopping by in those gardens to have a chat after work um, and actually enjoying the opportunity to meet um, other people that they live with and to, you know, pat a dog <laughs> yeah, um, and that sure. type of thing as well. I guess there are lessons there for developers who are planning these communities. And you said when you started that we need to think about the value of our apartments when we go to sell, who are we selling to? Well, 60% of people are going to have animals. So the same concept, I suppose, applies to developers who are planning for the future and wanting to get the most out of their development, well, let's plan these open spaces so that people can have a place to come with their pets and have that sense of community and interaction. That's right. And that can happen at a building scale. So you can see a garden within a building, but it can also Mm. happen at the neighbourhood scale as well. So if we look at some of the bigger communities that are being built, there's Jackson's Landing down at Piermont Mm. in Sydney, um, there's Victoria Park in um, Zetland, Waterloo in Sydney as well. Those types of neighbourhoods have also got parks that are between the apartment buildings as well. And those are great opportunities for people to actually get out and particularly to do off-leash exercising for dogs. And these are the sorts of spaces um, and activities that will help to make sure that um, that dogs and people can get along well as well. Um, You know, you don't need a backyard to exercise a dog. Dogs that are stuck in backyards get very bored as well. So Mm. it's something that we need to be incorporating into planning more widely Mm. so that everyone can get to those types of spaces And there's really interesting research also about how far people will walk to get to a space. Um, And that gives us indications of how much of these types of spaces we need. So I think something like people will walk five minutes to get to a leashed dog park, but they'll walk for up to 30 minutes if they have the opportunity of taking their dog to an off-leash park. Yeah, interesting. All right, Emma, as much as we don't like to talk about problems, we need to talk about problems so we can talk about solutions. So what are some common pet problems that you've noticed people are facing in Strata and what's worked best in terms of overcoming them? So the two big issues that people, I think, are concerned about um, when they think about allowing pets into an apartment building are the issues of noise and the issues of Mm. mess. Um, So whether it's dogs barking or going to the toilet, basically. (laughs) The two of the big issues that people tend to be concerned about when they're thinking about pets in apartments are the issues of noise and mess. So dogs barking, dogs going to the toilet, that type of thing. And the important thing to remember with both of these issues is that um, there's a range of um, strata bylaws that actually are relevant to those types of issues. So the same Mm. rules that mean that you can't play your television loudly are the same ones that apply to a dog that's barking for argument's sake. It's also, uh, we can also remember the other sets of um, rules or laws that operate around dogs and those are those that operate at a local council level. So in Mm. some ways, people who live alongside other people's pets in apartments are actually far more protected than people who live in a a detached house in a a low-density suburb 
because not only do they have the local council that they can go to if there are dramas, they also have the level of strata um, where they can deal with it um, within their actual building. Just on that point of council, which I'm interested in, do you have any experience of how buildings have used the local council to help them with a pet problem? No, I don't have any specific examples of that, but it does tend to proceed in the same way that it would in a low-density suburb. So people get in contact with the council there's usually a process that they'll go through. Um, the council will, for example, send the person a calendar and ask them to record the times and days when they hear this noise. Okay. And then it sort of proceeds through there from you know, mediation through to other sorts of requirements and penalties that yeah. can place on people. Okay, that's an interesting avenue. Thanks for that one. Um, And one, I think, in terms of dealing with these issues at a local level in, in a strata apartment, I had some really interesting feedback from people who live with dogs and one of those is that often they don't actually know that their dog is causing an issue because the time that it does it is a time when they're not actually at home. So one Mm. of the first steps actually suggest to people is that they use those neighbouring skills that we all have to let their neighbour know that there is a problem. Give that person the opportunity to actually address the issue. Most people, the vast majority of pet owners are responsible pet owners and they want to be able to keep their dog living with them because it is such an important animal to them. And if they're aware that there's an issue, they'll take those necessary steps to try and um, train the dog so that it doesn't bark or make sure that it gets the exercise and entertainment that it needs so that it is stimulated and doesn't cause those types of problems. Mm, Great. Thank you. All good points. Now, Emma, some of our listeners will be people living in strata, perhaps with pets or wanting to have a pet or maybe wanting to buy into a scheme that has an unfriendly, let's say, an unfriendly pet policy. What are some steps that they can take and maybe some quick wins they can get on the board to get started with solving those pet problems today? So if someone's looking at buying into a building that has a policy that's restrictive to pets, they're going to need to get um, talking with the strata committee early because I believe, I mean, you're the strata lawyer, but I believe you require something like a 75% support to change one of those bylaws. So it isn't yes, something yes. that can simply be changed, um, you know, based on a simple request. Um, it's something yep. that you need to get a vast majority of the strata um, owners on board um, to be able to um, change. If people are looking at how they can get pets approved, though, I would say... Um, talking to people about why they want to keep their pets, perhaps introducing the pets to people, talking about the benefits that pets can potentially bring into their community, how they're going to live with their pet in a way that's responsible and will ensure that they get on well um, with other people. Uh, Something that works very well in a rental context um, that might transfer well to a strata context is is a pet CV where you provide a develop um, a document that's got a photograph of your animal. Yes. You introduce them, um, how you get on with them every day. You know, they've walked once or twice a day. Um, this is the training that they've received. This is what they mean to you in your life. These are the times that you'll be home with the animal. You might even have references from people who've lived with that animal in the past, yes. um, maybe neighbours from another building or, or a suburb that you've lived in that show that this is an animal that is actually quite well adapted to living in, in that type of space. Yeah, I love that. And I have actually seen that done very well. And as you say, when we're talking about pets, really pet owners seeing their pets as part of their family, then of course, that's what you would do. It's an application for a position just like anybody else might apply for a position. I think it's a great idea. Absolutely. And look, if people are having issues themselves, with a, they've got a dog with barking, for example, there's many places that they can go to get help with that issue. So one of the great sources of advice is actually other people that live in strata buildings. Yep who've dealt with that issue before. 
they can also go to their vet and get referrals to animal behaviourists and so on who can come into their home environment and give them tips on how they can improve the situation. Most of the time, it's a very simple issue of making sure that the animal has sufficient um, entertainment, sufficient stimulation throughout the day. Yes. But, you know, I, don't, I guess I don't really want to overemphasize the negative. The vast majority of animals, and as we said, 60% of Australian households have got animals. Most of those, we don't even know mm. that they're there. And it's important to remember that when we're thinking about this issue. Yeah, I am, um, just an aside, I am currently the proud owner of seven new fish in my home for my three and a half year old boy. And that's a bit of a practice run for the dog that he keeps asking for. So we're seeing how we go with the fish first. (laughs) And I'm sure my neighbours have no idea that I have them. (laughs) That's right. And and pets, um, you know, I've been talking a lot about dogs because that's where my research is focused. But but the pets that people keep are quite diverse from budgies to fish to cats, um, you know, through to dogs as well. And they're very different ages, very different temperaments, very different needs. So it's really about making sure that the person, the animal and the strata apartment are well matched rather than saying an animal just simply will or will not work. Yep, definitely. Okay, Emma, a personal question I like to ask all of my new guests. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why? Well, when I'm thinking about this question, I'm not sure if you mean in relation to my research or not, but I'm, I'm going to focus on I'm going to focus on that because that's what we're talking about today. That's a very academic <laughs> approach. I think that's exactly what Dr. Hazel Easthope said when she came on the show. <laughs> Whatever you like. <laughs> well, look, the book that came to mind comes first to mind, I guess, when I'm thinking about that in relation to my research is actually a joke book that I was given a number of years ago. A friend was going to some of the great art galleries of Europe, and in the gift shop, um, came across this book that was called Dogs Allowed. Um, and then it said, no dogs allowed, we are already in. And the book <laughs> is full of pictures of famous art through time that include dogs. And it shows dogs in all sorts of settings. It shows dogs used as sort of symbols of status across time. Mm. It shows dogs also, though, in domestic settings. So Flemish paintings from the 15th century that include dogs in very everyday settings within kitchens and within sitting rooms and that type of thing. And I think this book is really fascinating. Um, You know, it is a joke, but it's fascinating because it shows us the very, very significant place that animals have had in our lives for a very, very long time. People tend Mm. to think of this as as a modern issue. You know, we're talking about strata apartments. So they think, and in Australia, we think of this as a very contemporary issue. But if we go back through time, these animals are everywhere. And if we look at countries in Europe, for example, pets are all through apartment buildings. Mm. Pet dogs allowed, it's not so much a matter of whether they're allowed or not. They are simply already there and they've been yeah. there for centuries. Yeah, and it's a cultural shift, really. And you say it's not something unusual. First of all, it's not unusual to be living in apartment buildings throughout Europe. They don't have that same concept that we might have as Australians of having your quarter acre block. And going hand in hand with that is you can still have your apartment and your animal too. And that's a cultural change, I think. And it's something that we're um, on the cusp of. Mm, absolutely. Okay. Now, Emma, how do listeners find out more about you? And is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? So um, listeners can follow me on my Twitter page, um, at Dr. Emma Power. I've also got a couple of articles, one uh, at theconversation.com, one of which looks at this issue of pets in strata. So if any listeners want to follow that up there, that would be a good spot. 
Yeah, I will certainly, I know exactly the article you're talking about and I will certainly put a link to that in our show notes so listeners can go to our webpage and click right on that and be taken to Emma's article, which is a really good outline of what we've talked about in depth today. Excellent. Okay. Thanks so much for being on the show, Emma. You are a font of knowledge about animals and animals in strata. And I'm sure our listeners have got some great tips out of what you've had to offer today. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was lovely to chat. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 